Welcome to 2420, the bite-sized educational podcast from Cannaboom. And Kurt Robbins, author of more than 500 articles about the science of hemp and cannabis. We're giving 20 cannabis topics 20 minutes each to help you get smarter about terpenes, cannabinoids, cultivars, and much, much more. And our show starts now. Hey, it's Tom. Welcome back to 2420, our ongoing segments of 20-minute episodes with cannabis educator Kurt Robbins. Hey, Kurt, how are you? Hey, Tom. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me back. Really excited this week. You know, we talked about Varens last time, and this week we want to talk about Delta 8, which is getting a lot of press. Rolling yeah. Stone just had a big story about it that, mm-hmm. that a lot of people paid attention to. So there's a lot of confusion out there. I'm, I'm glad we can have you on to kind of clear some of that up. Yeah. Uh, you know, Delta 8 is interesting and highly educational for many reasons. And one of those is that it illustrates uh, the whole uh, biochemistry and the underpinnings of that biochemistry that's going on here. Um, Basically, Delta-8 and Delta-9, when we say THC, or when we talk about the psychotropic effects of cannabis, we are talking about a particular molecule, and that molecule is delta nine THC. We just usually don't say the delta nine part, right? So it turns out THC is not THC is not THC. It's not that simple, and we have these molecular analogs. And so delta eight and delta nine are chemical cousins. Uh, I uh, love to write about the 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 different analogs because we have so many good examples. Delta-8 and Delta-9 THC is just one example. Alpha-pinene and beta-pinene, which is one of the most common terpenes in the world. Uh, Now, terpenes are different than cannabinoids, which is what THC is. Uh, But still, we're talking molecules that get into the human body or the mammalian body, and they get into the endocannabinoid system, and they have real efficacy, right? They increase appetite or they sedate or they decrease pain, or they do something. And that's why we're here talking about them, because it's a big deal. Mention those terpenes again. You said alpha-pinene. And beta-pinene, right. Those are, and those are called isomers of one another. Um, they're also called analogs, uh, you know, and in different uh, ways and, and different disciplines, science, scientific disciplines have different ways of describing some of these things. But uh, to lay people, I like to call them chemical cousins. And in the case of Delta-9 and, and Delta-8, THC, uh, their chemical structures are damn near uh, identical. It's a very slight carbon chain difference uh, that results in a slightly different molecule, but that slight difference means it has different effects on uh, the human brain and, and the human body. Just to dumb it down for me, alpha-pinene and beta-pinene, they're not cannabinoids. They're related to the terpene. How does that relate to the, the slight carbon chain variation between delta-8 Delta yeah, there. it's just another example in the biochemistry of the hemp and cannabis plant, marijuana, pot, ganja, whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, where a very slight chemical alteration results in different medicinal efficacy. And that's the case with uh, alpha-pinene and beta-pinene. There are other examples. Limonene is a good one where it has multiple isomers like D-limonene and L-limonene. And this is the case with many terpenes and with many cannabinoids. Uh, In fact, uh, CBD, you're someone who knows a lot about CBD. you know, that's the space you're in and it's a good it's a good space to be in. There are seven analogs of CBD. 
CBDA, CBDV, the Varen version that we talked about in the last episode? From a typical consumer's perspective, why are we interested in, in Delta 8? Well, there's a couple different layers here. One of them is legal and the other one's the biochemistry, you know, the medicinal efficacy. So that's the one I kind of focus on the most. That's where uh, I spend my time. So let's talk about uh, that a little. Now, Delta 9 THC has both pros and cons, and those pros and cons are interpreted through specific use case scenarios. So if you are a pain patient and you're looking to kill that pain, uh, the type of cannabis or cannabis product that works for you might not work for another person, even with the same disease or, or condition. So medicinally, the differences between Delta-9 and Delta-8 are very important. Now, uh, Delta-9 THC is known to give some people panic attacks, right? Right. It's paranoia. There can be unpleasant effects. and Exactly. And again, it's set and setting and, you know, really gets into a lot of different factors there. And this is what a lot of, you know, cannabis industry folks don't like to talk about, uh, understandably, uh, because these are potential negatives of it. But uh, to get back to Delta 9 THC, especially anecdotal studies. We don't have a lot of research, unfortunately, but we do have a little. Uh, but uh, uh, we have plentiful, uh, especially via social media, anecdotal reports, and they tell us that Delta 9 typically doesn't result in that paranoia or what, you know, when it gets excessive can uh, lead to panic attacks uh, even. And people have been admitted to the ER because they were having a panic attack and freaking out because uh, they got too much Delta-8 in their system, especially if they were newbies and their system, you know, and their mind and their body wasn't used to that flood of super strong uh, THC. You know, there can be some problems. Delta-8 does not give us any of that. Let's talk a little more about Delta-8. Uh, it is naturally occurring, but if you buy a Delta-8 vape cart or something like that, chances are it was created in a laboratory. It was you know, an industrial extraction or synthesis process. Because Delta-8 THC, typically we only get, uh, we're lucky to get 1% of that uh, in, in, in a plant and an individual plant and we analyze it's kind of like CBG which we've talked about in the past uh, boy if you if you even get one percent that's that's a payload right so that being the case when you smoke loosely flower or vape it um, chances are you're getting a third of a percent of, of THC8 or something of that type if there's any there at all often it's trace amounts and by definition trace amounts don't really affect you so most of us have never felt the effects of uh, Delta-8 THC. You're telling me that it's in the processing that they extract a lot of plant material to get to mm -hmm. an amount of Delta-8 that would have any efficacy, or it's synthesized in, in a lab, it sounds like you're saying. Right. And when they synthesize it, there's a few different ways to do that. Again, it gets very complex, but just to summarize for your listeners, uh, they can start with Delta-9 THC and convert it to Delta-8, or they can start with CBD and convert that to, uh, to Delta-8. It's rather interesting chemistry, eh? Mm, yeah. Down the road, is there a possibility of someone, a, a geneticist, breeding a cultivar that would be high in Delta-8? I, yes, absolutely. And let's hope that happens. And I'm sure it will. There, there are companies that are betting 
the ranch, you know, betting the farm on specific market segments and, you know, slices of the biochemistry of this plant, like Varens. And well, we see it all the time with CBD, right? That's just one particular cannabinoid. So uh, there, there are companies really right now uh, focusing on Delta-8. Uh, there's one company that has a Delta-8 vape cartridge that is about 56% uh Delta eight and about eight percent Delta nine. So you know it can't be sold in all fifty states. It's uh, it is categorized as cannabis, not hemp. Uh, but it's relatively speaking v- low quantity of del- of uh, of Delta nine to get. So in, anyway, some users report that they're less likely to suffer paranoia or extreme anxiety, and a certain segment of society has a, a tendency toward that. So in that respect, Delta-8 is kind of a savior for them. They get some of the psychoactivity. Now, let's talk about that psychoactivity. It's lower than with Delta-9 THC. Delta-8 is lower. Uh, and it's supposed to be kind of like some of the terpenes, pinene and limonene that are said to give mental focus and energy, you know, the opposite of sedation, the opposite of myrcene and, and humulene and BCP and some of these other molecules that are great for pain patients, great for people suffering anxiety, great for people winding down, right? But if, if I have to medicate at 10 a.m., uh, I don't really want to wind down, right? You know, I want to I want to stay sharp and focused and and bring my A game. A lot of the anecdotal reports uh, from Delta Eight THC users say that that's what it helps them get, while simultaneously avoiding the panic attacks. So uh, you can see the appeal that why some companies want to focus on this molecule. Sure. So so it's kind of a sativa like uh, energetic effect. Correct. And you can see why there'd be so many people betting the farm, so to speak, on this. Right. And you mentioned uh, legally it's treated as hemp. Well, that's where it gets a little tricky. And some of the big companies with deep pockets are hesitant to handle Delta 8 THC because uh, state and federal agencies could just snap their fingers, update regulatory oversight and say, you know what, not just Delta 9 THC, all of it's illegal. Okay, because currently, technically, Delta 8 is legal in all 50 states by many legal interpretations and many thought experts uh, say that it is. And they cite the 2018 Farm Bill for having legalized those hemp components, legalized hemp overall. Right. With a lot of restrictions, obviously. Well, so it's kind of in this gray zone right now, uh, quite frankly. Um, and that's why I like to talk about the medicinal efficacy, because the, the legal status is sure to change. But right now, there are some risk-taking companies that are producing uh, Delta-8 THC-bearing products, sometimes up upwards of 60% Delta-8 THC, like in vape carts and such and tinctures. Uh, and they are selling those in all 50 states. You're not going to really find this in flour. It's going to be in a processed product right. like a gummy or a vape or a tincture. Yep. Just like CBG and loosely flour, the quantities are just too low. They're, again, if you hit 1%, that's like, whoa, you're peaking the charts because, you know, a lot of times it could be just a fraction of that. And regardless of the exact numbers, what matters is can the human body feel that? And if you can't, then you're kind of wasting your time. It's interesting because we had a similar discussion with Barons, which are you can buy in any state. And the effects of those uh, were 
I think similar, again, sort of an energetic, calm and focused high, right? Yeah. In a way, Delta-8 THC reminds me of THC-V, uh, the Varen version of THC. But then you think to yourself, well, duh, they're all, in, they're all siblings, right? They're all analogs uh, of one another or isomers, as we were saying earlier. Uh, so it makes sense that with such similar molecular structures and binding activity with the CB1 and CB2 receptors and the human endocannabinoid system, uh, that they would all have similar but different uh, efficacy. And in fact, let's talk just a little more about that for a second. Here's the short list of the medicinal efficacy that's been noted for Delta-8 THC. Appetite stimulation, great for people going through chemotherapy, uh, you know, Crohn's disease, cancer, et cetera. Uh, kills pain. It's an analgesic. Uh, decreases anxiety. Uh, and also very importantly, especially back to the uh, patient communities that need appetite stimulation is anti-nausea. In fact, uh, one of the uh, researchers we note quite frequently, uh, Israeli researcher Raphael Meshulam, he uh, did a study a while back and it showed that uh, the T Delta-8 THC was uh, quite effective as an anti-nausea. They tested, it was a clinical trial and they tested children with cancer. So this wasn't a test tube or a rat study. And they showed uh, that basically uh, Delta-8 eliminated the nausea that the children suffered because of chemotherapy they were undergoing. Wow. That's a, a very useful substance to have. And the first three you mentioned too, uh, you know, there's always a market for analgesics and anxiety treatments and, and appetite. Oh, absolutely. These are all wonderful efficacies. And we see a lot of overlap with Delta-9, THC, and some of the other cannabinoids and terpenes, quite honestly. We start to see some patterns. But again, the appeal of Delta-8, if we can just keep it in the legal zone, right? So you can tell listeners in all 50 states and around the world, yeah, go out and buy yourself a Delta-8 product and it's actually there on the shelf for them. Uh, a lot of that depends on its legality, but uh, I really like its its efficacy profile in terms of uh, not giving people panic attacks and excessive anxiety. I can't tell you the number of people that I've met especially in legal states like California, Colorado, Oregon, and uh, they're progressive in all ways. And you would expect that they would be cannabis consumers, especially in a legal state. And they would say, nah, it, it just uh, kind of wigs me out a little, makes me a little paranoid. So I just stay away from it. Uh, now, most of those people haven't consumed cannabis in years. Uh, so maybe Delta 8 THC gives them a new hope. As we often say on this show, it's kind of a test and learn thing. Uh, we all have different genetics. Even the, the product of the same plant might have variances in its purity. But when you're talking about a processed product, we expect it to be more consistent. But I'm also always concerned about steering people to you know safe and, and effective products. Do you have any recommendations or any advice on how to find safe and effective Delta-8 products? Wow. Um you know, there's a lot of fly-by-night companies uh, out there right now, unfortunately. I, I wish we weren't talking about that. Um, so I just say do a little research, a very small amount of uh, research on the part of patients and consumers can can really, you know, resolve things. We shouldn't just put the heavy research into like buying cars and homes and the big ticket items, stuff we put in our bodies. We should be, you know, just as or more diligent, right? And I say 
research these companies, you know, go to their website, give them a call, send them an email, ask them questions. If they don't respond to you, that tells you something right there, right? How much do they care about your business? How much do they care about, you know, the integrity of their brand identity? So I, I guess the best advice I can give is just do a, a little research and, you know, you find the CEO's name and then go look them up on LinkedIn and do they give you warm and fuzzy? Because if they don't, there's plenty of competition out there. So if they don't do it for you, go find somebody else. Well, that's good advice in a market that is so immature at this point. I mean, it's just developing and these these things are being uncovered week by week, month by month. We didn't talk about Delta 8 last year at all. Exactly. And Varens, what the heck's that, right? It's all brand new. And five years ago, if you asked somebody what CBD was, they'd be like, what the heck's that? Is that a part of your car? And I think I saw one of your Cannaboom posts on Twitter. Uh, didn't it mention like 3,600 CBD businesses in America alone? So uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Thanks for the update on Delta 8. It's uh it's really good to know. Have you tried it yourself? You know, I have not. That's it's it's pretty rare so far. But it's uh, all the press it's gotten recently, and and obviously this talk. I think I'm going to do some searching around, see if I can get my hands on it, and then we can talk about it again. Eh? Yeah. Likewise, I haven't had the opportunity to try it, but I'm I'm eager to and and see what happens. It's really exciting. I, I would say Delta Eight, THCV, and pinene are like my favorite molecules right now. Do those terpenes tend to travel with Delta-8 or are you looking for them in combination? Um, I mean, you know, there'll be certain cultivars and chemovars that feature more than the usual amount of Delta-8 and they might also peak in some other uh, cannabinoids or terpenes. Um, it's and We're just now through research starting to see how how that works, you know, cause that's pretty, that's pretty complicated. But yeah, I think if you look at the efficacy profile of Delta eight THC, that there are some terpenes and cannabinoids that pair well with it. Well, we're human beings and we build stuff, right? And so it's more than loosely flower and what naturally occurs in the plant. Plenty of companies are uh, working hard right now on uh, proprietary formulations that are going to introduce all these different approaches to this biochemistry and, how, and, you know, wellness and health and how we use this plant to try to improve life. Uh, and you're, you're going to see everything. Like I was saying, there was that one uh, company with a vape cart and it was 56% Delta 8, only about 8% Delta 9. So it wouldn't give you a lot of overt psychoactivity, but it sounds like it'd be great for focus and energy. And like, if I had to sit down and write a white paper, I would want to have that. Well, there could be a huge market for that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We got to go out and give it a try. I think we've done our job and got our audience up to date on this. And uh, thanks so much, Kurt, for sharing your knowledge again. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Tom. We'll see you later. You've been listening to 2420, a special edition podcast series from Cannaboom and Kurt Robbins. Want to learn more and help grow the cannabis movement? Spread the word and follow us on your favorite podcast platform or at Cannaboom.com.